Welcome to New Hope Church. I'm Christian. We're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare. Well, I'm pretty excited because it is the month of November. And for me, that means Thanksgiving is just around the corner. But honestly, I love Thanksgiving because it's just a great reminder for me to take, back, or take a step back and think of all the things that I've been blessed with. And when it comes to offering, that's just another extension of it. Listen, when we give with that grateful heart, we praise the Lord more than just our words, but with our obedience. And when we give, we become a part of the, of the furtherance of God's kingdom. But that being said, if this is your first time or if you're visiting from another church, we just ask that you not feel obligated to give. But you'd, um, but you'd receive this service as a gift. But for those of us that call this our home church, that for those of us that say that this is where we're fed, this is our time to give unto the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this offering. I pray that you'd bless the hearts of the givers, Lord, that you would take this offering and that you'd use it to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Christian. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night Equip and Disciple service. And as Christian was saying, can you guys believe it? It's almost Thanksgiving. And then it's going to be Christmas, and then it's going to be a whole brand new year. Somebody, like, we got to slow time down. I wish we could, but uh, we can't do that. But anyway, welcome to our Wednesday night Equip, uh, Equip and Disciple service. For those who are watching online, we're so glad you're joining us as well. And, uh, you know, tonight... Uh, when I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do, you, what, what do we speak about tonight? Uh, this is something that I think he's, he's, he's actually teaching me. And I think it's something that we all got to hear. In fact, uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is, who do you say I am? Now, uh, here's the thing. A lot of times we're thinking, we might be thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm waiting. I want to hear what God, who God says I am. But, but that's not what we're actually going to talk about tonight. Because tonight, the question isn't, to God, Lord, who do you say I am? The question is for us to ask, who do we say he is? Now, there's a movie that came, a couple, uh, came out a couple years ago, and uh, it's a story of a race car driver. And uh, I'm not condoning this movie, because it has, you know, some, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's, you know, PG-13. And so there's a clip in the movie, though, that, that always gets me. And so it's when this race car driver is sitting with his family, and they decide to pray for dinner. And the reason why it always gets me, it always makes me crack up, is because as this race car driver starts praying, he goes, dear baby Jesus, six pounds, seven ounces, lying in a manger. We thank you so much for the food that we're about to eat. And so he's praying to baby Jesus. And his wife is like, well, you know that baby grew up, you know baby Jesus grew up, right? And he became a teenager and he became a man. And so everybody's like, why are you, and he's like, no, 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 I, I like to pray to baby Jesus because that's just the Jesus I pray to. And, and it's just funny because as he's saying it, I'm thinking to myself, imagine if that's who you, like, if, like, do we pray to baby Jesus? And I thought to myself, which Jesus am I praying to? And I thought about it. And as funny as that clip is, as funny as that movie is about that part, it actually made me question when it comes to us, who do we say Jesus 
is. You see, is Jesus merely who we want him to be? Or is he truly who he says he is? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 16. And in verses 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, in the scripture, Jesus presents the disciples an important question, if not the most important question. You see, they had already witnessed Jesus. They dropped everything to follow him. They witnessed Jesus do miracle upon miracle, bring healing upon the sick, free those who are possessed by demons, feed multitudes with just two fish and five loaves of bread. They witnessed him walking on water. They, they, they witnessed Jesus do impossible things. They were also there as he taught, as someone with real authority, the secrets of heaven and the will of God. They saw him as he perplexed the religious leaders. And yet, after all of that, it's after all of that, Jesus asked them this important question. And it's the same question that he's asking you and I today. Who do you say I am? And the reason why it's so important is because we live in a world that loves to give us opinions about who God really is, what scripture really means, and what Jesus was really all about. But it's not about what or whom the world says Jesus is that he's most concerned about. See, believe it or not, Jesus is not concerned about how the world views him. What Jesus is more concerned about is your answer to that question. Who do you say Jesus is? You see, who we say Jesus is has influence over our lives. You see, we can believe in Jesus all we want. But if we don't know who Jesus is, then it becomes a religion rather than a relationship. Jesus didn't come here for religion. He came for you and I to have a relationship. You see, Jesus wants to know who you say he is because it determines your relationship with him. And so tonight... We're going to learn three important values that we discover when we answer the question, who do you say I am? The first first value that we can learn or we discover is his presence. His presence. Now, I I have five kids. Many of you know this. I have four girls, one boy. 
But before we had the twins uh, a couple of months ago, we just had the three girls. We had Caitlin, Brienne, and Adrian. And what's so funny is that uh, for the longest time, uh, our girls, we, 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 tried to, we tried to get them to sleep in their own bed. But what happens is they didn't want that. They didn't, they, so, so what happens, I remember this one night, um, Katie and myself, and we have a king-size bed, and so Katie and myself were on the bed, and then our three girls come into the bed and kind of like take over. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, this is daddy, this is daddy's and mom's bed. What, what are you doing? And they're like, no, we want to sleep with you. I'm like, no, no, no. And so I'm like, okay, okay, you know, because I'm a loving father. So I'm like, okay, okay, you can, we can all fit on the bed. But as time went by, as they fell asleep and I fell asleep, I would wake up in the middle of the night and notice one small thing that I'm on the edge of the bed. And they're all like, oh, spread out. And I'm like, I'm about to die. Like, this is like cliffhanger. I'm about to fall off the bed. I'm going to die. And you, wow. And, and, and it's like, and I wake up in the morning and I'm like dead tired. Okay. Why? Because like, you see the size of me? Okay. I was only sleeping on like one inch of the bed. Because they're like all spread over. And so in the morning, I'd be dead tired. I look at them and they're all full of energy, driving me crazy. And I look at them and say, you guys cannot sleep on our bed. I'm like, why? Because you lord over it. You take over the whole entire bed. Look at how small you are. Why do you guys take over the whole bed? And not only that, you steal my blankets. <laughs> and, so, and, and, uh, and so like right now, we're trying to teach them, you guys need to sleep in your bed. We bought them bumpers and all that. But here's the interesting thing. Here's, here's the thing. You see, I learned this. See, when the girls want to lord over our bed, there's hardly any room for me. And in the same way, when I declare Jesus is Lord, he becomes greater and I must become less. That's why it says it in John 3.30. That's why we wear that hat, we wear those shirts. It says he must become greater and I must become less. Become less. And this is where Jesus asks what others are saying about him. See, I love it when Jesus talks to his disciples. He says, what are other people saying about me? And he finds out that people are saying that, that Jesus is just another prophet. And here's the problem. If Jesus is, is just another prophet, then he can't be Lord. See, if Jesus is just another prophet or just a really good teacher, then he's not Lord. And what's happening back then is happening even today. You see, we can say that Jesus is Lord. But can I tell you this? The truth is many people have a hard time with Jesus actually being Lord in their lives. See, we can receive Jesus as Lord, believe Jesus is the Lord, and yet not let him be our Lord. Why? Because to be Lord means that you have to surrender our lives to him. To be Lord means you got to give him the whole entire bed and the blankets and all that. You got to give him everything. You see, when we allow him to be Lord, we allow him to be the one that has all the authority, control, and power of our lives. And many people like Jesus as the prophet that tells of the good news, but not the Lord that is the good news. See, a lot of people, they believe that Jesus is the Lord, but when it comes to them, he's just the Lord, not their Lord. And here's what I learned is this. 
Many people will do this. Okay, Lord, well, Lord, I believe in you. I, I, believe, that you're, I believe that you're the Lord. And he goes, okay, so you really believe I'm the Lord, but am I your Lord? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so here's what I need you to do. If I'm your Lord, I need you to surrender it to me. Surrender what? Your life. Okay, well, you know what? I believe that you're my Lord, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you my life. I'm going to give you, you got to give me the whole thing. Okay, I'm going to give you the whole thing. I'm going to give you the whole thing, Lord. What's up? I'm going to give you the whole thing there, Lord. I surrender it all to you. No, I asked for the whole thing. Well, what do you mean? I, I need the whole thing. Well, I'm just holding this part. I'm just holding this part. Your Lord, I gave, I, Lord, I give it to you. But I need the whole thing. Why do you need the whole thing? Why do you need the whole thing? This, oh, hey, Lord, you know what? This is going on in my family. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, this is going on in my workplace. Hold on, hold on. Okay, wait, wait, no, wait. I'm, I'm, Lord, I, I believe, I still believe, but, but Lord, this is what's happening in my relationship. This is what's, this is what's going on. This is, this is all that's taking place. And if I was to keep pulling, you wouldn't be holding anything. And I'd be holding it, all of it. See, Jesus says, I'm either your Lord and you give it all to me, or I'm not. You see, I love it when it says it in Luke 6, 46, 49. It says, why do you call me Lord? And this is Jesus he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And here's the part I love. Jesus is only talking about his words, but he's talking about actually more than that. That if I'm not willing to call him Lord and follow his word, that when hard times come my way, my life will fall apart. Why? Because he's not the foundation. Why? Because he's not the Lord of my life. You see, when we let Jesus be the Lord of our lives, his presence becomes the foundation for our lives. And we won't experience the presence of the Lord if we don't allow him to be our Lord. When Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Are we saying that he is the Lord or that he is our Lord? A couple months ago, the staff, we all went on this outing and it involved a boat or like a double-hole canoe. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't do water. I don't do boats. Like, I'm not seasick or anything like that, but I just, you know, I've never really been on boats before. And so, so we went, so half of the staff went out, and they're, and they're riding on this double-hole canoe. And it's so funny because we're talking stories, and we're learning that, hey, that double-hole canoe was actually in storms before. It actually sank. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this is giving me the vote of confidence that I need to get on this boat, guys boat sank, this very vessel sank. And so I remember uh, 
uh, it was our turn to get on. And so I get on, and, you know, I'm like, okay. And we're only going in Reed's Bay, okay? Like, Reed's Bay is calm. I'm not expecting any, you know, rogue waves coming at me in Reed's Bay. And so we're out there, and, and so we're out there, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. And then the captain of the double-hole canoe says, hey, Ben, I like you steer. Now, I'm a good driver on land because I've driven cars. I've never steered or driven on boat, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's okay. I'm going to just, yeah, 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 So he tells me, oh, hold the thing, and, and I got to hold him. Like, okay, and he's like, okay, you aim for this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to be confident. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Inside, I'm going, ah, I don't like crash. And I think to myself, this is just Reed's Bay, but I, even worse, you know how they're going to look in the newspaper? Pastor crashes in Reed's Bay. So I'm holding it, I'm holding it, I'm holding it. And, I, and so, and so the, the captain, he's running the motor, and, and we're doing all this, he's talking, he leaves, and I'm like, ah! And I'm thinking to myself, okay, he, he told me, aim for that buoy, okay, okay, aiming. He's like, okay, you got to, I'm like, okay, leaning, 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 leaning. And, and I'm, I'm freaking out, okay? And so I'm like this, and I'm like, okay, okay, oh, hey, hey, what buoy? What buoy? Which green buoy? There's like three green buoys, which one? Which one? And, and I freaked out. And then... I started to calm down, and there's a reason why I started to calm down. It's because I looked at the captain, and I realized this. As much as I'm steering that canoe, I know for one simple thing, I ain't the captain. Because <laughs> he is. And it was so cool because what actually gave me confidence was this. That that double hull canoe was in, was in a storm, and it sank. But they also told us a story of how the captain, as it sank, I believe it was the Molokai Channel, how he made sure everybody on his team, because they, they had to ditch the boat. One, the captain didn't lose anybody. Second, after he got rescued, he went back and got the vessel, restored it, and set sail. See, that captain knew exactly what he was doing. And his presence being right there on that canoe brought me comfort, brought me peace. You see, in the same way, Jesus, if we say, Jesus, you are my Lord, I surrender it to you, his presence takes over and reminds me of who he is. The second value that we discover is his, is his power, his power. Just the other night, uh, my, I was trying to tell our girls to go to sleep and we're at Katie's grandma's house. I said, okay, good night, go to sleep. And my oldest daughter comes running out of the room. Dad, dad, there's a cockroach. Now, I'm going to be vulnerable right now, okay? So just letting you guys know, I don't really like cockroaches. Like, I'm okay when they're on the ground, okay? I'm okay when they're on the ground. I'm okay when they're this small. But when they're this big on walls and I'm thinking to myself, they can fly, once they go airborne, it's a whole different story. I'm a, I'm a run and cover, a run, run and hide, duck and cover kind of guy. When those things will, and so this, this cockroach is fat, and it's on the wall. And, okay, not even going to lie, like a couple of like, weeks before, Katie saw the same cockroach. She's like, babe, you got to hit him. And I told her, I don't can. <laughs> Thing might go flying. She's like, just kill him. She gave me the electric zapper. Like, eh, what if I miss? What if I accidentally miss, zap him, the wings start flying, he come at me. I told her, 
you're going to be in trouble because I'm going to just start swinging the electric zapper. I might hit you. <laughs> but my daughter's coming. I go, Dad, there's a cockroach on the wall. And I'm like, okay. And so you, you realize when, when, you're, when, you, when you're, you're a child, you're like, there's something in you, right, that goes, okay, I'm going to man up. So I manned up. I grabbed my slipper. I went, okay, okay. Lord, be with me. Like, give me precise aiming as I fly this slipper. And then Grandpa comes over here. Here's the electric zapper. I'm like, okay. Okay, please don't fly. Okay. And you cockroach, you got to be like, okay. I started talking to the cockroach. I'm going to get you, okay? Don't fly at me, though, please. I'm, I'm going to kill you, but please don't fly at me. And bah! And I hit him. Whoo! Cockroach stink when you fry him. And I killed him, though. And my girls looked at me, and I was like, Dad, is it dead? I was like, yeah. And I started frying that thing even more on the day. Like, just, die, die. And, okay, what was I telling that? Wait, hold on. <laughs> but here's the reason why I share that story is because, see, my daughters have no idea that I'm scared of, scared of flying cockroaches. But they came to me because they knew that Daddy had the power to save them from that little disgusting cockroach. Now, here's the thing. They came to me because they knew I had the power to save them from the cockroach. Power to save. See, who we say Jesus is dictates the power that he has. We all know John 3.16 as, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But he continues in verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God sent his son Jesus to this world to save us, to be our hero, to save us from what you and I could not save ourselves from. And that's why we declare Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And can I be honest with you? I think a lot of times we, we like the title of Savior more than Lord. We like the Savior before the Lord. See, we love Jesus. We love the fact that he came because he loves us and that he saves us from eternal death. That he conquered sin, death, and even the enemy. You see, it's easy for us to look at Jesus as the hero, but but is that all he is? Or is there something more? You see, I love it when I read how Peter responds when Jesus asks him, who do you say I am? Peter answers that, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus replies in this way. He says, it'll be you, Peter, that builds the church in which the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome. You see, Jesus doesn't just acknowledge that what Peter said is true, but then he does something else. He empowers Peter. See, Jesus came not only to save us, but to also be the source of power in our lives that causes us to live for God every day. You know, the beginning of the year, uh, well, last year, I remember Christmas, I had just upgraded my iPhone to the iPhone XS Max, which means it's one year old already. And I remember uh, I got it. I was, I was happy. I was, I, was, I was excited. And a couple months later, uh, as we were, we were shopping, we went to a place. And the one day I took my case off is the one day it slips out of my hand onto the ground and cracks the entire back of the phone. And so I went to AT&T. I went to my friend who works at AT&T. I said, hey, uh, 
how, how does the insurance thing work with getting the phone if it breaks and all that? And so he tells me, oh, you know, uh, this is how much it's going to cost, you know, but thankfully it's because your first, it's your first one, it's, it's half the price. And so I'm like, okay. And, and then he tells me, but here's the thing. Is it still working? I told him, well, yeah, it's still working. I can still make phone calls and all that. And, and he goes, you might want to hold off on it. He said, you might as well hold off and wait till the phone is really no good. Then you can get your insurance, get a brand new phone, and then it's a, you get a brand new phone. And so it was great. So I told him, okay, I'll just, I'll just wait till the phone starts to uh, act up. And a couple months went by, and it started to act up really badly. Like, I couldn't talk on the phone like this. I had to put it on speakerphone, because if not, I would be here static in my ear. And then I realized uh, there's no way I can drop my phone in water because the back is all cracked, and once it hits water, it's going to die. And then once there's water damage, the insurance is no more. And so I remember as time went by, I went, okay, you know what? I got to make the decision. It, wasn't, it was actually a couple months ago. I said, okay, I'm going to finally send my broken phone in and get the new phone back. And so I did. I sent my broken phone, and AT&T, through the insurance, they sent me back a brand new iPhone XS Max. But here's the here's interesting thing. Although they sent me a brand new phone, can I tell you what else they sent with it? A phone charger. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because the reason why they still sent me a phone charger is because I still need to charge my phone. Although my phone is brand new, no, no cracks, no nothing in it, it's brand new, I still need a charger to charge my phone. See, a lot of times we think, wait, Jesus, you're my savior, so I'm good, right? You took my brokenness, and you're making me whole, making me brand new. True, but he's not done yet. See, if all we, did, if all we see Jesus as, yo, Lord, you're my savior, but we're not allowing him to be the power source in our lives, then what happens when days go by and the battery starts to die? Because it happens. See, Jesus came not only to be the Savior, but to be the source of saving, the source of power that allows us to live our lives every single day for, for God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says it like this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the cross, yes, is our salvation, but it's also the power of God that we need every single day. See, we can call Jesus Savior because of what he did on the cross, but he also gives us power to live our lives every day for him. When we receive Jesus, we are invited to walk with him and in his power. You see, sometimes we receive Jesus as our Savior, but we miss out on the power that he has for us. And this is where many people struggle in their faith because although Jesus saved them from eternal death, they haven't allowed him to empower them through the struggles of every day. See, this is what I learned is I received Jesus years ago. Every day after, I still face struggles. Anybody can relate? See, if Jesus, if all Jesus is, Lord, you're my savior, if it's a one-time thing, then what happens every other day after? See, when we're faced with, if that's what happens, when we're faced with temptation, struggles, and hardships, 
We become overwhelmed instead of tapping into the power of the one that has overcome. Can I tell you this tonight? And I know you may have heard this, but, I, but it's not enough for us to hear us. We got to live it. We got to say this is who he is. The same power that overcame the grave is in us. There's some people walking around this world calling themselves Christians, but they don't believe that. They believe, no, I, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but you're not walking in his power. The same power that overcame the grave is in you because of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. See, Jesus is my Savior who saved me from eternal death and also gives me the power to live life abundantly every second of my life. See, we don't, need, we don't just need Jesus the moment we receive him as our Lord and Savior. We need him every moment. I remember a couple of Sundays ago, somebody was at KTA, somebody said something, offended me. I was like, oh, I'm going to lick you inside my head. <laughs> and I complained to Katie, and I was like, oh, this guy, he said something. And I was like, I just came from church. And I was like, Jesus, I need you. And he's like, you right. See, I need Jesus every single moment of my life. I need that power. Galatians 2.20 says it like this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to just say this real quick. There might be some of us that we're facing struggles, maybe even addictions, maybe lifestyle choices. And we say, Lord, I believe in you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And that's great. But then we also look at it like, but if you're my Lord and Savior, then why isn't anything changing in me? Why is my life still the same? Why am I still dealing with this? Why am I still being overcome by this? And the truth of the matter is, is because, yes, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and that's who you say he is. But you're not letting him empower you for the rest of your life. Jesus cannot change your life just as a title of Lord and Savior. You got to let him empower you to change it. There's many people who are saying, I don't know, I don't understand how come this, it's because you're not receiving the power of the Savior. You're just calling for him to save you. It's not enough. The last value is we discover when we answer who you say I am, our purpose. <laughs> a couple of years ago, uh, we, had, we had a youth ministry breakout in our team with Relentless, and, and I remember that like pretty good. I had our team come up, and, and I broke them into groups, and I gave them a, 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 an activity to do. I presented them with a plunger. And I told them, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to take 10 minutes. Take 10 minutes I'm going to give you this plunger, but here's what I need you guys to do. In the 10 minutes, you have to come up with something with this plunger that's not a plunger. In other words, I told them, although, yes, this looks like a plunger, you have to figure out what else it could be. Like, if it wasn't a plunger, what else could you be? And for, like, the first two minutes, they all looked at me like, but it's a plunger. Like, yeah, but it can be more than a plunger. So I gave them 10 minutes, and, and so I forget what they came up with. They came up with some really interesting stuff. And I just started laughing. 
And I told him the whole activity behind it is because, it, look, if all you do is see this as a plunger, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a plunger. But if you look at it and say it can be more than a plunger, then it can be more than a plunger. You see, because I told them to look at it as something other than a plunger, they were able to come up with other purposes of the plunger. Our purpose coincides with who we say Jesus is. Because Jesus not only has a purpose for our lives, he knows the purpose of our lives. Ephesians 1, 1 11 to 12, and this is the message translation, and I love it. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. See, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Christ has a purpose for all of us. But we will only discover it when we decide who we say Jesus is. You see, we, take the, we see this take place in Peter's life from the moment that Jesus was calling Peter to follow him and be a fisher of men. Peter was actively trying to be more than what he was. I mean, he was trying to be the best. He was prideful. He was arrogant. He was fearful and foolish. And Peter would make many mistakes while following Jesus. I mean, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. Even after Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And yet Jesus would still declare Peter to go and feed his sheep. I always wondered that. Like, Lord, why did you still pick Peter? I mean, he denied you three times. Even after you told him he was going to do that. And yet you still come to him and say, go feed my sheep. And then I realized it's because of who, who Peter said Jesus was. You know what's crazy is Peter may have denied Jesus three times, but he didn't deny who Jesus was three times. You read the scripture, Peter said he didn't know Jesus, that he wasn't, that he wasn't with him. But he never once said he's not who he says he is. You see, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? It was Peter, not the other apostles, that answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds by purposing Peter to build the church. You see, many people lose sight of the purpose that God has for them because they compare him to the ways of the world. And what I mean by that is, Peter, when, when Jesus actually reinstates Peter, I'm pretty sure Peter was surprised out of his mind. I'm pretty sure Peter was like, Lord, why me? Like, I denied you three times. In the world, if I was to deny anybody just one time, that's more than enough to, for them to look at me and say, you're a failure. You messed up. You're no good. See, the world, we, a lot of times we'll, we'll mistake the purpose that God has for us because we're comparing him to the world. When the world says, well, you've done messed up. You're not good enough. You can't do it. It's impossible for you. We believe it. We believe that we've messed up so badly that there's no way that God could ever love us. And if there's no way that God could love us, then how could he still have a purpose for us? Not too long ago, I was, I was talking to one of our youth, 
And uh, he just came back to youth ministry not too long ago, just like uh, just one time in a long season. And we we're talking stories, and he was telling me telling me what's going on. And then, and then I told him, "So where where are you with the Lord?" And he said, "I believe." And this is what he actually said this. He said, "Brother, I believe in Jesus, but no good." Like, how can Jesus still love me after all the bad I've ever done? Like, I'm doing bad stuff, Ben, and how can, how can Jesus still love me? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> Jesus doesn't need a reason to love you. He just doesn't. Like, yeah, but you don't understand, Ben. I messed up. I'm doing things I know is wrong. I know that God doesn't like it. I know God doesn't love it. So why would he love me? Why? He just does. And he has a purpose for you. What purpose could he have for someone that screws up as much as I do? It was so funny because I got to talk to him and I told him, bruh, if you think you're the biggest screw up, look at the person who's sitting or standing in front of you talking to you. I told him, dude, I've screwed up all the time. I still screw up. I told him, it's not about that though. God has a purpose for you just as he does for me, just as he does for every single person. Just because we mess up doesn't disqualify us from the purpose that God has for us. But a lot of people don't believe that. They think that, oh, no, well, I, Jesus, I, I called you my Lord and Savior, but now I messed up, so, so there's no way that, I could, that, that you want anything to do with me. There's a lot of people that think that way. You might be in here today and you might be thinking that right now. You might be watching this online and you might be thinking that as well. But can I tell you what the Bible says? Can I tell you what the word of God says? It says this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have a purpose. We have a purpose. But when we, we, we decide who Jesus is, we see it take place. I love it when it says, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus' purpose for our lives goes beyond our sins, our shortcomings, our failures, and our mistakes. Jesus has a purpose for each and every one of us, but we will never come to find it if we remain silent. Because when we answer Jesus, who do you say I am? We discover who he says we are. My daughter Brianne is going to a preschool right down the road at Hallelujah. And it's so funny because that's the same preschool that I went to when I was a kid. In fact, her teacher is, her, her preschool teacher was my kindergarten teacher. And a lot of the people that, I, that are still there, I remember and it's so funny because I, every time I take her to school and every time I pick her up and every time I see them, I'm reminded of when I was a little kid. And I'm remind, reminded of all the, the good and not so good things that I did. Although they say I was a good kid, I'm pretty sure I wasn't a good kid all the time. I remember, uh, I remember the time at the Christmas program where they dressed me up as, a, as salty, which was a big foam like I was a book in the Bible. I remember standing on the stage and singing worship songs. I remember singing uh, this little, little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I remember all that. Every time I take her 
to school I, and, I, and I pick her up. I always remember that. And then I think back to where life, what life was like after I was in elementary. When I walked away from God, when I didn't want him, to, I didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, I remember talking to one of the teachers and I was telling him, I still remember all this and that. And he looked at me and he said, I always knew God had a plan for you. And when he, ta- when he found out I was a pastor, we both started laughing. <laughs> but he said, I always knew that God had a plan for you. See, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But when I came to see who he was and, and declare who he was in my life, that's when it started to take place. You see, Jeremiah 29, 11, we, so many of us, we know this scripture. But again, it's not about knowing it's about declaring it and saying that we believe it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, tonight, I just want to let you know the influence that Jesus will have in your life will be dependent on who you say he is in your life. See, we can accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior but we will only discover his presence, his power, in our purpose if we receive him as our Lord and Savior. Tonight, Jesus is asking you, he's asking me, who do you say I am? I pray that it will be with our hearts and with our lives that we answer him, not just our words, amen? You can put your notes away, you can put your Bibles away. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. For some of us, when Jesus asked that question, we never really gave him an answer. For some of us, We've declared him as Lord and Savior, but, but never to be ours. It doesn't matter where you may find yourself right now. All that matters is who you say he is. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valleys, Jesus never changes who he is. As he says in his word, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And tonight, I want to give us an opportunity, whether it's for the first time, whether it's for the million time, that we will declare that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And And again, you're not saying it just with your words because your words are not enough. But you say it with everything behind those words. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Lord Jesus, tonight I answer you by declaring that you are my 
Lord and Savior, that you are my Messiah, that you are my Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Help me to receive your presence, your power, and walk in my purpose that you have for me. Thank you for who you are and who you call me to be. In Jesus' name. And you don't have to repeat this part, but Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we we all said that here tonight, Lord, there may be some of us that maybe we said that for the first time. There's some of us that maybe we said it many times. But Lord, I pray this, Lord, that as we leave here tonight, no matter where or how many times we've said this prayer, it's not about the prayer, Lord, it's about what you're gonna do in us. That as we leave here, Lord, as we walk out of these doors, we're not the same as when we walked in. Because Lord, you are who we say you are, that you are our son, that you are our Lord and Savior, that you are the son of God who came for us. Continue to mold us and make us into who you call us to be. We love you, Lord. And we pray for all of this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Don't forget, the Lord's influence will only be what we let him influence.